0: To get a complete set of transcripts from Creation Moments programs, ask about the book Letting God Create Your Day when you visit us online at creationmoments.com
1: or give us a call at 1-800-42-BIBLE and join us again for another Creation Moments, proclaiming evidence of God's truth.
2: Good news and Christian talk on KKXX Paradise, K2A3AR Chico, and K280GL Chico. Celebrating over 50 years broadcasting to the North Valley on AM 930, and now the new FM 103.9. This is KKXX Life Radio. Chico, Christian Radio. According to the Bible, where did Adam and
1: Eve come from? They were created from an apple tree. That's in the book of Genesis where God also created the world. Then he got tired and took the Sabbath off. Who was Noah's wife? As I recall, Noah's wife was uh, Joan of Arc. What do you remember about Lot's wife? She was a pillar of salt uh, by day and a ball of fire by night. Where did Moses get the Ten Commandments? He found those when he went up on Mount Sinai, and I also believe he threw down those tablets and broke them, and because of that, he uh, died before he ever reached the land of uh, Canada. Who was the successor to Moses? Uh, That would be uh, Joshua, who later fought in the Battle of Jericho. Who was King David? He fought the race of people in the Bible times, known as the uh, Finkelsteins. How did Samson slay the Philistines? Uh, Samson slayed the Philistines with the uh, Acts of the Apostles. Who is King David's son? Uh, That would be King James.
2: The Bible. Read it. You'll be surprised at the things you don't know. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Up next on KKXX, it's Hope for Today with David Hawking. You can contact Hope
0: for Today at 1-800- 75 Bible. That's 1-800-75-24253.
1: Let me just tell you how I feel about this, okay? If I do not really in my heart believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's coming back and going to set up a kingdom on earth, I would be mixed up emotionally. How could I deceive you, make you think something if I didn't believe it was really true? Why should I waste my time with it? That's why so much preaching today is getting off of the point and is getting onto human need. We are not here to tickle the ears of people. We are here to tell you the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The truth is that he is coming back. And as a matter of fact, it could be today. I see no reason why he could not come today.
0: Blessed to have you with us for this, the Thursday edition of Hope for Today with David Hawking. Today, as we continue our look at verses 18 through 35 of Luke chapter 7, we'll witness the significant moment where John the Baptist's followers, uncertain about their path, sought reassurance from Jesus. Now, in response, Jesus not only comforted them, but also imparted divine truths Through his miracles and teachings Bringing clarity and understanding However, Jesus, he didn't stop there He challenged them to recognize the signs of the times Urging them to move forward with wisdom and heavenly insight That sounds like something we could use today Well, our study begins in just a moment First, though, I'd like to let you know that your regular and one-time financial contributions play a vital role in sustaining this mission, Hope for Today. By keeping us on the air, your generosity ensures that we can continue to reach people in need of hope and biblical guidance. As we move forward, we humbly ask for your continued prayer and financial support. It makes you a part of this ministry. If you feel called to support Hope for Today, or if you're praying for us, give us a call at 1-800-75-BIBLE, in Canada, 888-75-BIBLE, or make a donation online at davidhawking.org. And I'll repeat that contact info after today's lesson. Right now, though, here's David with day two of No Greater Prophet.
1: I'll come back to Luke 7 again. What we have said is just a basic point is that his reply to the disciples of John the Baptist reveals his true identity. Some people ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time trying to prove to everybody that Jesus is the Messiah? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Do you know the Bible says that the Apostle Paul spent a lot of time trying to prove that? One of the problems that I see in our current generation is that we want to hear more about our own needs than the facts about the person of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Now, I think the Bible has some good statements that will affect that. But we happen to be in a passage dealing with the person of Christ. I don't believe the generation we're living in cares to think about the issue. I think there's some people who are listening right now who maybe really don't care about the issue. If if he can help me to have a better life, okay, do it. So what we have are a lot of people running around calling themselves disciples who have never been convinced that he is Lord of the universe, God in human flesh, the Messiah who will bring the kingdom to this world. They really don't believe that. Let me just tell you how I feel about this, okay? If I do not Really, in my heart, believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that He's coming back and going to set up a kingdom on earth. How could I deceive you, make you think something if I didn't believe it was really true? Why should I waste my time with it? We are not here to tickle the ears of people. We are here to tell you the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The truth is that He is coming back. And as a matter of fact, it could be today. I see no reason why He could not come today. No reason at all. And I ask you, my friends, who have come to hear, I ask you from my heart, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah of all the Old Testament scriptures? The Bible says that you must believe that Jesus is the Christ in order to have everlasting life. It is impossible for you to live in heaven if you do not believe in the Messiah. The Bible is clear over and over and over again. Yes, it is important. And when Jesus replied to John's disciples, if they were confused, do you think maybe we might be confused? They were Jewish, and they had a lot of information available to them. But they were disturbed because the, this judgment aspect of Messiah coming and setting up the kingdom was not happening. And all Jesus was doing were acts of mercy and healing people. And Jesus replies to them and says, This is the evidence that I am who I claim. I ask you who in history has done every last one of those. There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus alone that were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ. The chances of that happening, I mean, even a computers can't figure that out. It's incredible that all of those are fulfilled. Over 30 prophecies were fulfilled in one day of his life. It's incredible when you think about it. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who's coming again. And the question is, do you believe in him? Do you really accept that fact? Do you know that if you died today, you'd be in heaven with him because you believe that he is a Messiah? There is nothing so important. The reason why I'm telling you all this, look at chapter seven, please, and verse 23. Boy, is this an interesting application or punchline for all of us to look at carefully. Jesus said, Blessed, he softens a negative point by making it a beatitude. Blessed, spiritually blessed, inside it means, regardless of the storm outside. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, the word offended comes from a word indicating a trap. I want to just picture that ancient trap if I can for you. They put a little stick in it with a bait, and when the animal hit the stick... It came down on him with knives or knife-like instruments and literally killed the animal. It is always referring to a fatal trap. That is, you are not maiming the animal. You're not stunning the animal. You're not putting the animal in a cage. You are killing the animal. Jesus is saying, blessed is he who is not trapped, baited, and as a result killed because of me. And what is his point? Don't think that his judgment will not come, would be one point. And don't think that his acts of mercy do not prove his messiahship because they do, which would be another point. The point is, where do people stumble in Christianity? My friends, listen to me carefully. The Bible teaches that we stumble over the person and nature of Jesus Christ. He is the one over whom they stumble, the Bible says. We stumble. We, we don't believe in him accurately according to the Bible. We may believe in what he may do for us. If he can do something for me, great, I'll believe in him. Uh, or I'll add him to my life because he'll give me joy or happiness or love, all of which he will do. But that is not the issue of the gospel. The issue of the gospel is sin, death, and hell. We have to find out if we're going to heaven or not a lot of people want to get their act together, want more happiness in their life. So they say, okay, if Christ will give me that, I'll take him. Are you born again? Do you really know the Lord? We're talking about basic stuff here, and Jesus indicates that a lot of people never get it, and they are falling into a trap which eventually leads to their fatal death, spiritually, lost forever. Why? Because they stumbled over it. They they were trapped and baited by the wrong thing. They wanted Christ to do something that was not a part of his timing. They did not understand who he really was. Listen, all his acts of mercy prove that he's a Messiah, and one day he will come and exercise his judgment upon this world. And the Bible predicts that. That was his reply to John. Let's look at his remarks to the multitudes. Verse 24. Now, when the messengers of John depart, the Bible says he began to speak to the multitudes. If you look at that carefully, I think even in English, and maybe a little stronger in the original language, he's connecting what he said to the messengers of John to the multitudes. He began to speak to the multitudes when the disciples of John were departing. That was an important point being made there. If you're a crowd and you're listening to what Jesus says to these disciples of John the Baptist, you're starting to think, I mean, your motor is going. Now, it looks like he's rebuking John the Baptist. It looks like he may be saying that John's all messed up. He doesn't know what he believes. Now, that is a crucial issue. If you're Jewish, and have heard the ministry of John the Baptist. So the first thing Jesus does is he turns to the multitudes and comments on who John is. In the first discussion, he's commenting on who he is. In the second discussion, he's going to comment on who John is. And in the third discussion, he is going to connect the two together. Now watch this carefully. In the second discussion, his remarks to the multitudes, it reveals the importance of John's ministry. No doubt about it. First of all, he challenges them about the character of John. Verse 24, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? He repeats it two more times. Verse 25, what did you go out to see? Verse 26, what did you go out to see? The exact same phrase. What were you looking for when you went out to the wilderness? Now his first occasion of saying that, he says, did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? Now there's something we need to really see here. He used the word, why'd you go out to the wilderness to see this? A reed, folks, is found everywhere along the shores of Galilee. He is in Galilee. There is no point for all of these people to have left and gone down to the desert area of the Jordan River and to have seen a reed shaken by the wind. There's a play on this, host, it's a little irony here. Why did you leave? And go all the way out there to see, was it a reed shaken by the wind? You could have seen that here. But he's also applying it to the character of John. People would have had a tendency to say, well, maybe John doesn't have any convictions, obviously, by sending people to Jesus and asking him, are you the coming one or not? So Jesus uses a classic illustration of a reed being blown by the wind and saying, is that what you think John is? that he has no convictions because of the questions he just sent to me, well, you don't know who John is. That's your problem. That's the general tendency of this passage where Jesus is leading. Then he said, what did you go out to see? Verse 25, was it a man clothed in soft garments? Those who are gorgeously appareled live in luxury in king's courts. Now, what's his point there? Perhaps that John could have been bought or rewarded and that is almost amusing, because he is in prison for rebuking Herod. And Jesus is saying, well, maybe you think he doesn't have any ethics at all. That somehow he could, you know, be a man in soft garments, he'd be gorgeously apparelled, live in luxury. Is that what you think? You think his motives are all messed up? You got, you got this all wrong. And in his third question, what you went out to see, he says, did you go out to see a prophet? Oh yeah, they all love to see the prophets. I gotta tell you a little bit about prophets. They're kind of like preachers today. They are weird people, you know what I mean? They are really weird. First of all, they go around saying things that make people uncomfortable, you know, that they really do, and they don't know when to shut up. And these guys dress funny and act funny. They really do. I mean, look at John the Baptist for a moment. Camel's hair, leather belt. Prophets are weird people. But Jesus said one of the greatest crimes the nation of Israel ever committed was that they killed their prophets. They didn't want to hear what they had to say. But boy, it was entertaining. Man, I tell you, the crowds go down there and say, hey, you know, and they knew John. He was a priest. He grew up in a priest's home in Jerusalem. Hey, you talk about knowing about luxurious robes. John knew about it john grew up with those guys and he's down there and they even went down once and asked him who do you think you are john you think you're elijah who do you think you are he said i'm a voice wouldn't even give their give his name you know they knew his name was john he said i'm just a voice crying in the wilderness by the way you guys need to repent (laughs) what a guy prophet of god and he couldn't keep quiet, couldn't shut him up. And then they put him in prison. And he's still waxing eloquent. He's going out trying to find out who Jesus is. Are you the one that's coming? Are we, why are you doing all these acts of mercy? What about the judgment? Are you, you going to bring the judgment? Or, or is someone else coming? Or someone like you? Because I know what God said about you. Are you going to come back? Yes, he is. But Jesus is complimenting him. He says in verse 26, did you go out to see a prophet? Well, yes, I say to you. But watch this more than a prophet. They knew about prophets. He said he's more than a prophet. He challenged them about the character of of John, and then in verse 27, he connects his ministry with Bible prophecy, just like he did with himself, back in verse 22. He says, behold, verse 27, he's quoting, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. They know about the messenger of the covenant. Believe me, if you're Jewish, you know about the messenger of the covenant. At Passover time, you want, you want me to know what they do at Passover? The last event of the Passover meal. Send the little kid to the door and see if Elijah is there. The messenger of the covenant. One who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Maybe Elijah himself will come. And they are all expecting him to come before Messiah comes. We'll leave a chair for him. Let's go to the door and see if he's there. They're all expecting him. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to know that John the Baptist is that messenger of the covenant. There's no way of escaping this. There's no way of getting out of this. John the Baptist is the messenger of the covenant of Malachi 3.1, according to Jesus Christ. And that means that his ministry, which pointed people to Jesus as the Messiah, is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I want everybody, Jewish people as well as Gentile people, to understand something here. Now, now you may argue that he is lying and not telling the truth. I just don't want you to miss what he is actually saying. Whether or not it's true or not, you'll have to judge. But Jesus is actually connecting John the Baptist with that prophecy in Malachi 3.1, which makes him the Messiah by his own claim. Now, he said that many other ways and times, but that is an obvious point in this passage. So make sure you understand that Jesus connected the ministry of John the Baptist with himself. Now, look at verse 28. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Boy, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Now, he not only challenged them about the character of John as to whether he really had any convictions or ethics, and he not only connected that ministry with that prophecy in Malachi 3, but he also compared the role of John to future believers. He said there hasn't been a greater prophet than him ever, but the one who is the least person in the kingdom of god is greater than he now let's stop and think about that for a moment i don't believe that means that we're greater in faith john had tremendous faith i'm not greater than john because of faith i'm also not greater than john in john ter- and than john in terms of ministry what a ministry I had imagined introduced the messiah what does he mean that someone who's the least person in the kingdom of god is greater than john some people say well it's referring to time of fulfillment. John is before the cross and the resurrection and the events after Pentecost. And so the ones in the church are greater in the sense of privileges. That's an interesting point. When I come to know Jesus as Savior, I have a security. I have some wonderful things that have happened to be born of the Spirit. I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, indwelt by Him. Never happened in the Old Testament, not once. Spirit of God filled people, came on them, never once indwelt them. There was never any that kind of security. No one was ever sealed with the Spirit. No one was ever baptized with the Spirit. No one indwelt by the Spirit. There are so many blessings that we have, spiritual gifts, all kinds of things that we have now. So in that sense, he who is least is greater than John. But I have a feeling that it's based upon more revelation and understanding You see, this whole story began with John questioning about Jesus, what he was doing, in the light of what he knew the Messiah should do when he comes again. Now, today, we know all of that. It's in the Bible. So he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John in terms of the understanding about prophecy and about Jesus. Now, let me give you a point to prove this. Turn to Acts chapter 18, which... Luke also wrote. He wrote the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18 verse 24, and I want to give you an example of someone who was committed to the teaching of John the Baptist and to show you that he didn't know everything and that somebody in the church age actually knew more than he did. In Acts 18:24, it says, Now a certain Jew, Acts 18:24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria in Egypt, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, like John the Baptist of old, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things of the Lord. Now watch this next statement. Though he knew only the baptism of John. He was from Alexandria, Egypt. He doesn't know the events about the death and resurrection of Christ and the beginning of the church. He only knows the baptism of John the Baptist, which prepared people to receive the Messiah. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla, New Testament believers, heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. The result of that was great. Verse 28, he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. What I want to point out to you, here's a man who was mighty in the scriptures, very knowledgeable, taught the way of God accurately, but he knew only the baptism of John. Here's some simple believers, Aquila and Priscilla, least people in the kingdom of God, knew more or able to teach him the way of God more accurately. What I think the point is that the least person today in the kingdom of God is greater than John in terms of what he knows about Bible prophecy and the events that happened after John the Baptist's ministry, and he died. As you know, he was beheaded. That's Bible teacher and author
0: David Hawking, and you're listening to Hope for Today. David's back in just a moment with some closing words of encouragement. I hope you'll stay with us for that. First, though, here's Matt to tell us about a powerful book by David. Matt, what do you have? Do you have a hard time looking at what's happening around the world, especially in the Middle
2: East, and finding optimism or hope? You know, I think that's a universal feeling because there are a lot of opinions being shouted around about Israel in the media. That's why this month we're offering you my dad's best-selling book, Israel Chosen by God. Now that doesn't mean we excuse every decision they make, but it does mean that we support them in their efforts to exist peacefully in the land promised to them by God. My dad explains in Israel Chosen by God that no nation or people in history have experienced what Israel has. Even today, Israel faces extinction through the attempts of our enemies, but according to God's promise, Israel is still here which means that Israel stands as a reminder to all of us that even in those times when we've disobeyed God, God will always keep his promises. Israel Chosen by God is one of those books you'll find yourself going back to time and time again. Right now, Israel Chosen by God is $15. Order this at any of our resources at org or when you call 1-800-75-BIBLE-24253 in Canada, You'll dial 1-888-75-BIBLE.
0: Well, thank you, Matt. And before David returns to close out our time, you know, if you've ever wondered what all the saber-rattling and tongue-wagging over Israel is, is all about, well, significantly, it's about the land. And it's been that way for thousands of years, according to the Bible. To learn more about this issue and who really owns the land, pick up your copy of David's booklet, What the Bible Says About Israel, and its land. It's a powerful study tool for just $5, and you can get it at davidhawking.org or calling us at 875-BIBLE. That's 875 And in Canada, call 888-75-BIBLE. Hey, and while you're at it, grab a copy of the book Matt told us about called Israel Chosen by God. It talks about the land, but also the history of Israel and God's heart for the people of Israel in his word. And it's just $15. Call those same numbers, 875-BIBLE, and in Canada, 888-75-BIBLE. Or again, go to our brand new website, org. And friend, if you'd like to support this ministry beyond the cost of any resource you might purchase, well, our mailing address is hope for today, Box 3927, Tustin, California, 92781. In Canada, Box 15011, RPO Seven Oaks, Abbotsford, BC, V2S 8P1. You can also reach out by calling 875-BIBLE and in Canada, Eight 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 seventy five 75 bible And thank you. Right now, here's David to bring today's lesson and God's holy word to a close.
1: We're so grateful for uh, your continued support of this Bible teaching ministry. And uh, we are excited with what God is doing. It's, it's remarkable. And the fact is that God is doing great and mighty things. People coming to know the Lord And uh, we're just thrilled. And I hope you get our Hope for Today newsletter. Also that you would pray with us, God is doing great things. And uh, all you need to do is call us, ask for a subscription to our monthly newsletter. It's absolutely free. Now once again, the teaching here in Luke 7 and uh, verses 18 to 35 about no greater prophet is really centering in on John the Baptist. And there's some amazing things said. Uh, The Lord refers to the criticism he got of people calling him a gluttonous man and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Well, I'd like to say I thank God he's a friend of sinners. He's not a sinner himself, nor was he guilty of their false accusations. But the fact is that our Lord loves people. And as you read the Gospels, you realize how many.